Welcome to the ValleyHoopsInsider.com podcast. Uh, ValleyHoopsInsider.com, we like to take a lighthearted but thorough look at the Missouri Valley and Ohio Valley conferences. I'm Harry Schrader, your host, editor of the site. Glad you're with us today. Uh, I want to tell you about some of our sponsors here locally in St. Louis. Rhymes Heating and Cooling, 638-8181. They are an integrity-filled, honest company that will take care of all of your heating and cooling needs. My parents' house, my sister's house, my house. You will love those people. Give them a call, 314-638-8181. Tell them you heard about it right here on valleyhoopsinsider.com. Up in the Bradley and Illinois State area, there's a great golf course, the Rail Golf Course there in Springfield, Illinois, former home of an LPGA stop. I've been playing golf there forever. Listen, call them, tell them you heard about them at valleyhoopsinsider.com. They have a buy one, get one free special just for our readers, our listeners. That's the Rail Golf Course in Springfield, Illinois. And then finally, an outstanding outreach to West African orphans called the Wenpoide Project. You can get all the information from our website, valleyhoopsinsider.com. They reach out to both terminally ill and special needs children, orphans, in West Africa. And uh, I've been there. It's a spectacular place and a spectacular outreach and ministry to the orphans of West Africa. Well, our guests on today's podcast are two of our good friends, the beat writers from around the Missouri Valley Conference, first from Evansville, Indiana, and the covering the pace of the Pacers covering the the Purple Aces Chad Linkscott is with us and and then covering the Valparaiso Crusaders Paul Oren is with us today and guys uh, in this coronavirus filled season I am wondering first you Paul how are you filling up your coronavirus season how are things in in Valparaiso uh, things are good here in Valpo you know it's I wonder how people in warmer climates are dealing with this because the one thing that I have to look forward to every day is whether or not it's going to be warm outside. And we've had a couple of 65, 70 degree days and it's just been, I've kind of dropped everything I was doing and, and gone for walks, you know, appropriately social distancing myself during those walks. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an odd time because you've got the, the changing of the seasons right now and, Everything's a ghost town in Valpo. There's nobody around. All the players have scattered. Uh, it is, uh, you know, obviously, I. this is a word we use a lot, but this is really unprecedented. And it's just, um, you know, I, I think we're all, there's no blueprint. I think we're all dealing with it as we know how every day. You know, I tell you, I wish I was in Chad's boat here where there were players joining the program and things like that. It's been kind of dull news-wise around here. Um, especially compared to a year ago when everyone was leaving Valpo. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of been pretty boring. And, Chad, there were some announcements today. Before we get to that, and some of those we already knew about, but they were officially announced today. Before we get to that, tell us about how you're spending time during this time when there's so little for us to cover. Yeah, um, you know, it's been interesting, um, you know, just with no games to cover. Spring is usually things slow down a little bit just compared to how wild the basketball season is and even helping out with high school sports in the fall and winter too. But, you know, it's just, everything kind of came to a halt. Um, no student athletes at Evansville are really available for interviews either. So I've tried to talk to the coaches that I can talk to and kind of talk about how, you know, the coronavirus is, is affecting things. But, um, you know, we were talking before, we pressed record, and Paul was saying it's kind of depressing writing the same type of stories over and over, and I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, you just wish that there was 
some positive stuff to talk about and you know some actual news to report other than just so much uncertainty all over the place. No kidding. Right. Now, I want to I want to jump in for a second. I want to give kudos to Valpo because they've made their student athletes available. I I, I understand that a lot of schools in the valley have not. Hmm. And I ha- I don't quite understand that. You know this idea that um, you know we're going to shelter the athletes from talking. I actually think this would be an amazing time for all the athletes to come forward. Right? Like I think it's great what Bradley has done. Uh, you know, Daryl Brown is doing an internship with their media program, and he's been very active on social media and stuff. And and Bradley made him available for me to interview for a podcast last week. And it, I just, I think it's great. I, I I understand, and it's not just the Valley; it's a lot of. I just don't understand these schools that are basically putting uh, putting duct tape over the the mouths of some of their most vocal students or most vis- visible students. Kind of, it's a head scratcher for me. Sorry, I just wanted to put that out there. No, well, yeah, all praise to Valpo, absolutely. And and I do, I think you're right, Paul. I think it's a perfect time for people to maybe get to know the players even a little bit better. People like story, and if I can get to know Daniel Sackey better in the off season, even while basketball isn't maybe the big topic, maybe I go to the game, maybe I watch it on TV, maybe I buy merchandise. It makes sense. Uh, before we talk about the new guys, I wanted to start with you, Chad. If if I had been a betting man, I would have bet that DeAndre Williams wouldn't come back this year. I've heard no smoke, no whispers that he's not coming back. Any any thoughts along those lines concerning DeAndre Williams? Yeah, there was there was always that thought. I mean, even since he got us to such a hot start in the non conference play, you know, even kind of during the season, you know, in the back of my mind was, you know, is he going to jump to a high major program? Is he going to get some NBA or, you know, some NBA draft, uh, you know, looks and, you know, are scouts going to be following him around? And then he got hurt and he missed, you know, 12 or 13 games in a row and all kind of signs point to him that he's going to return next year. I talked to Todd Licklider last week and he said, everybody who's currently on the roster, um, he believes is going to be back. You know, Evan so did lose three players to transfers, um, two went the grad transfer route, and then there was a freshman who has since jumped to a D2 school. But otherwise, you know, considering they have three head coaches, they're really going to keep most of this roster intact. So I guess kind of kudos to whatever the Aces are doing to keep everybody together. But I think DeAndre Williams will be back in the, in the Valley next year. Well, that's great news. And, and, and I'm, I, I would love your thoughts, too, on Todd Licklider. I've had two different one-on-one interviews with him. Super impressed with him so far. How about you? Yeah, definitely. You know, he was dealt kind of a tough hand coming in mid-season, you know, mid-Valley season. And, you know, he really only had 12 or 13 practices with these guys where he can actually kind of instruct them and implement some of the nuances for, for his scheme. But for the most part, he was just trying to keep the wheels, you know, on the bus going. He was trying to, you know, not throw anything new at them. Um, and obviously they, they went winless. They lost all 19 Valley games they played. Things weren't good. But they did see results outside of the, the win and loss. You know, they, they improved in almost every statistical category. And he's, he's just good to deal with, you know, as between coach and reporter too, you know, he takes time to think about, you know, what he's saying and, and is, is mindful and, and all of that. So he's, he's been great to deal with. And, you know, it, it seems weird at the time that UE was hiring from the outside, but if you kind of look at what's going on with this coronavirus, stuff, they might be lucky that they already have their guy in place. Yeah, no kidding. Paul, uh, a year ago, you mentioned it earlier, a year ago, people were jumping off of the Valpo ship like crazy. Javon Freeman Liberty ended up coming back. 
so that turned out okay. But uh, what is the status, you know, after a really nice Arch Madness run by the, Cru- uh, by the Crusaders? Uh, people got to be feeling good about where Valpo's at. Absolutely. Valpo, the only school in the Valley without a transfer this, uh, this off season, the entire roster is returning. Uh, now Javon Freeman Liberty has declared for the NBA draft. I think it would be a shock if he stayed in the NBA draft, particularly with all of the questions as to when the draft is going to be and all of that. Look, if I was, if I was a top, 10 or 12 player in the Valley as an underclassman, I would be declaring for the draft because you're allowed to get the feedback from the pro scouts, right? You're allowed to have those conversations. And, and again, in in the wake of COVID-19 right now, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but if you declare for the NBA draft, you're actually allowed to, you're not, your workouts on the court are not capped like they are, this is what I understand. They're not capped like they are during, like, yeah, I think college basketball players are allowed, like, maybe two hours of court instruction during the offseason per week or something. Maybe it's eight hours. I don't, you know, I don't exactly know what the rules are. But if, if you're declared for the draft, you're allowed to work out with coaches nonstop. You're preparing for your, your next career. And, um, and, and so, to me, I, I think everyone should declare for the draft. I, I think John Calafari had it right when he said, uh, I want my entire team to declare for the draft. So I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think he's coming back. I think Valpo probably will be a pretty solid uh, top four choice in the league next year, just given having all of these guys back. Yes, they do lose Fazekas and Kaiser, but they're bringing in three really, really good sharpshooting players. And if there's one thing Valpo's needed, it's shooting, and, and they're bringing that in next year. I want to break down some of those new players for both of your programs. But before we do that, Chad, I, I, I look at the roster and for Evansville, and they lose K.J. Riley. And John Hall, did he transfer? John Hall transferred? He did. He, uh, he wound up at Portland State. And, and Labinowitz transferred. And so when I look at the existing roster, Henderson was the guy you were mentioning earlier left as well, um, what do you like about the returning roster? Let's go there first. With the returning guys, um, I think it's promising. You know, you still have two guys from Marty Simmons's uh, team. You know, he hasn't coached for three years, but you've got you know Noah, Noah Frederick and Evan Coleman. They're both going to be seniors. They're both reliable guys. They're kind of the the model you know players for the University of Evansville. They're they're great to deal with. You know, the example of a student athlete. So those two guys are there, and then we've obviously talked about DeAndre Williams. Sam Cunliffe, you know, he, he had sat out a year. He hadn't played a whole lot, you know, at Kansas or Arizona State. So I'm really in- interested to see what kind of step forward he can take as a senior. And then you have, you know, a couple of younger guys that are going to get better that have seen a lot of minutes, like Shamar Givens, the, the point guard, who, you know, took the last shot in the Valpo UD uh, Arch Madness game. And Jawan Newton, a, another guy who's going to be a junior and upperclassman who's really kind of stepped up on defense. So there's a lot of good pieces in place. Um, you know, it kind of stinks to lose a guy with the talent like Art Labinowitz and a leader like John Hall. Um, but, you know, they're really not losing any of their maybe top four, top five players. And and then when I think about the new guys, just today they, they made the official announcements about Trey Hall and Emmett Page and Jax Levitch, I suppose. 
a grad transfer and a, and, a, and a high school guy and a JUCO guy, I mean, from all every part of it. And Samari Curtis had signed earlier. Um, first, let's talk about Samari Curtis, a three-star guy, played at Nebraska, going to be a mid-season guy. Tell us about him. He's kind of a, myst- a little bit of a mystery to me, but has a nice resume. Yeah, so Samari Curtis, uh, he was Ohio's Mr. Basketball two years ago. So that's pretty cool to just for UE to, to get a Mr. Basketball type you know, at a small school like this. Uh, his recruitment was weird, though. He committed to Cincinnati. The coach left. Um, he went to Xavier. Things didn't work out. I think he had been committed to – or he, he committed to Cincinnati. Uh, the coach left. He committed to Xavier. The coach left. He wound up in Nebraska, and things just didn't work out. So he came here midseason, and – you know he's he's got time to get to know the guys. He was here to you know, kind of learn from Todd Licklider, and I think he's going to be really good once he's eligible to play mid-season. Um, we don't know for sure. You know he hasn't practiced a whole lot, so I don't know for sure kind of you know what his skill set is. But still, if he's he's a Big Ten transfer, a former you know Mr. Basketball in the Midwest, and I think he will be a, a producer from as soon as he's allowed to play. He was ESPN called him the 11th best mid-season transfer that will be coming in this year. So you've got all those different categories. So at least ESPN thinks he's one of the top guys that will be coming midseason for people. And then Trey Hall is the uh, high school student that they announced today, Emmett Page, a junior college guy. And then Jax Levich, a grad transfer from UNC Nashville. What can you tell us about those three players? So Trey Hall was, was kind of interesting, too. He committed back in December when Walter McCarty was still head coach. And no one really knew if he was going to stick with them. Uh, two other guys backed out and he committed, but Trey Hall didn't. He's a 6 7 forward. He's originally from Connecticut. Um, he was once considered a star recruit, so I think that's changed a little bit. He went the prep school routes, but he had offers from UConn and Penn State and St. John's. So he was highly touted um, as he was coming up through through the high school ranks. And so kind of slipping through the cracks for some reason. I'm supposed to talk to him later this afternoon. Maybe I'll learn more about his story. But Emmett Page is is a JUCO guy. Um, he scored 1,000 points in two years at Northeast Community College in Nebraska. He's kind of a point guard slash shooting guard hybrid. Um, I don't really know what position between those two he's going to play for UE, but still they, they needed a guy who, who can score and play immediately at those guard positions. So he should be good. And then Jax Levich, uh, he's a guy who's, who's bounced around a little bit. He played at Purdue-Fort Wayne and then North Carolina-Asheville, but didn't really play a whole lot at Asheville this past year. So he's 6'7", 210 pounds, a forward. He seems kind of like the model with lighter guy. Um, just get in the classroom. Um, seems like he would be a good teammate. So, you know, the three guys who can play immediately, and that's kind of just what we needed after having three guys transfer a couple weeks ago. Trey Hall came in from that linkier program in Branson, Missouri, same place where two players uh, signed at Southern Illinois Edwardsville last year. So we'll see if they're building a a prep school down there in in my neck of the woods that's producing players. Paul, you guys have not been – you said there hasn't been a lot of movement lately, but some players that signed on earlier, and you said you called them sharpshooters. Tell us about the incoming Crusaders. Yeah, well, there's there's – Three guys that are coming in. The first one, Connor Barrett, uh, did a prep school year at Brewster Academy out east. He's from Loyola Academy. His high school coach actually was Matt Loddick's high school football coach. So that's a a pretty unique one. He can knock down shots. Um, Valpo expects him to come in and be a 44% three-point shooter, you know, right right in the the mid to 
you know, low to mid forties, three point shooter. Uh, Sheldon Edwards is another guy who is a prep school kid from Florida, just a really athletic six foot four guard. Um, he, he's very, very uh, popular on Twitter with some dunks that he's throwing down. Here's a guy who couldn't dunk two years ago, and he is suddenly now just just a freak athlete. Uh, really looking forward to to seeing him. And then the one that really is going to get the most buzz, I think, and, and is a guy named uh, Jacob uh, Ognosovic. Sorry, I've been, I've been mispronouncing his name all year. So I've been, it's Jacob Ognosovic. He's a freshman, uh, incoming freshman from Wisconsin. He went to the same high school that Sam Decker went to, who led Wisconsin to two Final Fours and uh, has been playing pro all over the place. Ognosovic scored more than 1,000 points this season become just the third player in the state of Wisconsin to score a thousand points in a year. Now, granted he played against the smallest level of competition in Wisconsin. Uh, but he is a guy, he averaged like 40 points a game. And uh, this guy, you know, on the AAU level, he hasn't played a ton of AAU, but he's, he's done pretty well on that level as well. This guy looks like he could come in and just be an excellent. He's a six foot eight board could be an excellent, excellent player. Now, we all know every incoming player looks like they're going to be a star and some of them turn out and some of them don't, but Agnostovic looks like the real deal and uh, looking forward to seeing what, how that transition goes from high school, albeit playing the smallest teams in the state of Wisconsin to playing in the Missouri Valley. That's the reason why he picked Valpo is uh, one of the reasons was uh, he loved the Valley and really wanted to be in that conference. You know, you talk about that, and 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 they, we watched Matt Lodick do such a great job with Donovan Clay last year, a guy that um, had always had talent, but had that gigantic growth spurt, and then all of a sudden became a a hot, you know, kind of commodity. But he had already signed at Valpo, and then early on, he wasn't starting. Maybe it took three or four games only to to get Clay in the starting lineup. But they did a great job of giving Clay enough room to grow. Uh, into a really outstanding, productive player as a freshman, but allowing his role to grow throughout the season may, might be the same kind of path for this un- incoming freshman. Yeah, yeah, and I will tell you, Donovan Clay, and I think Chad would, would remember the play at the end of the Valpo-Evansville game that looked like such a, uh, I mean, you know, Valpo's run in Arch Madness almost ended before it started, but it was Donovan Clay who had a great, big, huge block shot at the last play of that game. He really, really developed down the stretch of the year. You know, it was like at the beginning of the year, you're like, well, you hope he gives you something. And then when Fazekas went out, he went into the starting lineup and he became one of the top rebounders on the team. And and there there were nights, particularly against Loyola in, in a couple of games, where he was the best player on the floor for Valpo. And as the season went on, if there was a freshman wall, he ran right through it. Now, there were some nights where he struggled a little bit, but he played some really big games down the stretch. And again, in that Evansville game and in Arch Madness, Donovan Clay made a couple of huge, huge plays. And he also really filled out the box score nicely against Loyola in the uh, the big quarterfinal win as well. So Clay, if, if Barrett, Agnosovic, or Edwards can have any kind of contribution like Clay had, and then you throw in a Ben Cricky, Valpo has got a really young core that is is they they have finally gotten their roster constructed where they need to be to compete in the Missouri Valley Conference. 
I wanted to ask you about Cricky. We all know about Freeman Liberty. He's the star, star, star of that team with a lot of good pieces around him. But Cricky was a guy that, I don't know, early on, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but early on, I thought he looked a little lost out there in the games when I saw him play. But as the season wore on, he became a very significant contributor for that Crusader team. I think, you know, understanding the role and really how Valpo wanted to play is, you know, they had just come off a couple of years of having Smith and Soroya, these giant seven-footers. And I think it probably took the coaching staff a little bit of time to figure out how are we actually gonna gonna roll with this team and, and putting in that motion offense and I Cricky just his his IQ and how to get defenders out of position and to be able to score and pump fake inside and out, he has got a really good knack for where he needs to get to to get to the basket and score. And he's got some range. He can pop out a little bit. And as you saw him gain confidence as the season went on, and I actually think for him, seeing Donovan Clay be successful helped boost Cricky a little bit. Those two are, you know, I, I hesitate to, to make comparisons because I think, I think they're apples and oranges to a degree. But you saw, and this is before Valpo was in the Valley, but Valley people will know Alec Peters well, just from, from high school area. But when Alec Peters and Jabril Adekoya came in as freshmen, they were able to grow together in the post in their sophomore year, they led Valpo to the NCAA tournament, and they they ended up being the lifeblood of that program. I think you're going to see Clay and Cricky continue to learn how to play with one another, and I think these two guys are going to be a huge part of Valpo's story in the next couple of years. Look forward to seeing that develop. Chad, uh, DeAndre Williams is back. How healthy is he these days? Or, you know, have you heard anything, any update? I mean, I know he just kept struggling with that back, giving him problems. Uh, late in the season, and you mentioned Cunliffe earlier, and I think sometimes those transfer players, even though they've been around for a year, and then they get in motion, they've been out so long, it seems like some players, it's no problem, and some players, they seem to take longer to adjust, and so two questions, DeAndre Williams back, and what do you honestly you know, expect Cunliffe to, to produce or, or to bring along this year? So I don't know for certain on DeAndre Williams' back. Um, that's something that the details remains murky the whole time. You know, he came back for three games near the end of the Valley season, and then they shut him down again. He didn't even travel to, to Arch Madness. So I don't know, uh, you know, exactly, you know, what kind of health he's in. I think that that might be, you know, he, he's another guy that possibly could say he's going to enter the NBA draft, kind of as Paul was talking about, and just kind of get the benefits from, from that whole process whether he you know, is considered a legitimate, you know, pick or not, and then come back. But, you know, he he's a guy who, you know, had, I think, the second best true shooting percentage in the country through the first 12 or 13 games and, you know, got beat up in, in one of the first few uh, Valley games, hurt his back, and, you know, just wasn't the same guy since. So he's really kind of been cautious and taking his time as far as, uh, you know, getting healthy. And then with Sam Cunliffe, um, I think there's a chance that he could be the point guard. He might kind of take over that KJ Riley role this year. He's six foot eight, but he's you know he's one of the most you know two or three most athletic players in the whole valley. He can can dunk uh, super quick, uh, can kind of just do it all. Um, I'm just looking for him to grow a little bit. You know, kind of like you said, and he. He didn't play a whole lot when he was at Arizona, and then he transferred mid-year. And then he went to Kansas and kind of 
sat the bench. Uh, he wasn't, you know, one of the key guys on their Final Four team. And then he sat out a year. So this was really his first full season of college basketball. So I think that he should be able to take a next step. And that, you know, DeAndre Williams and Sam Cunliffe, they should both get some consideration in the preseason, you know, all Valley teams, just kind of their individual talents uh, is so much better than, than some of the others. Yeah, I think both of those guys are uber talented. And DeAndre Williams, kind of a freak at 6'9", handles it good, shoots it well, goes and rebounds. He's not really a post guy, but he can get in inside because of his size. I think he is a like he is a dynamic program changer if he stays healthy. Do you agree? Definitely, yeah. Um, it's it's a little bit you know kind of hyperbole to compare him to Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant was so good, but. They have the same body type and kind of the same skill set. You know, they don't play a whole lot in the post. They can shoot from outside. They're good in transition. And yeah, they can they can handle the ball. So, you know, he's in the same boat. He hasn't really played a full season of college, or basketball you know, since he was a, a high school senior in like 2015. You know, he's getting 23 years old. So it's it's been a few years since he's played a full season. So as long as he can stay healthy, you know, him and Cunliffe are. You know, could be the difference makers between UE maybe being a 500 team and, and perhaps you know turning into one of the surprise picks next year. And, and I really do like uh, Shamar Givens and, and Jawan Newton. Both those guys showed flashes of really being uh, able to contribute and and uh, and be leaders really at, at times on the floor. Do you agree with that? Definitely, yeah. Um, those are two guys who. You just play hard all the time. Jawan is probably the best defender on the team. And then Shamar, he's a little bit undersized, but he's quicker than pretty much anybody he's going to go against. So he can kind of speed down the court. And, you know, yeah, he definitely kind of emerged as a vocal leader this last year. He learned a lot from KJ Riley. And I don't know for certain if he's going to be the starting point guard, if he might be more of a six man, just kind of the change of pace guy. But both of them, um, you know, they're going to be juniors this coming year, and we saw improvements from each of them under Todd Licklider. So that's promising, um, just knowing that they kind of fit into this new style of system. Paul, uh, where is Valpo's uh, recruiting level? What I mean is, is do they have uh, scholarships to give? Are they done? What are, what are you hearing about what's next? No, Valpo's done at the moment. Again, at the only school in the Valley without a transfer. They haven't had to fill anybody. Um, I, I don't even know that there was a consideration that anybody might leave, right? That, you know, I, Javon Freeman Liberty at Arch Madness pretty definitively after uh, after the game against Bradley, you know, came out and said, that, you know, I, I asked him about building something at Valpo and he saw right through me and said, are you asking if I'm coming back? The answer is yes. And and, uh, you know, Javon's a smart kid. He knew exactly what I was asking. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I wanted to give him an out with that question. But he, he basically said he was coming back. And, again, I, I you know, the fact that he's declared for the draft, and, you know, if you look at the draft declaration that he made on his Twitter page, it was in brown and gold with a giant Valpo logo smeared all over it. Like, <laughs> either – Either he put that together or the school put that together, but either way, there was a Valpo focus to it. So, you know, if he were to stay in the draft, which I don't imagine is going to happen, but if he were to stay in the draft, then I, I, you know, Valpo would have an open scholarship that they'd probably hold on for a mid-year transfer or something like that. You know, the biggest thing is right now is as Valpo looks here going into the, uh, the class of 21, I mean, they're going to have Zion Morgan, Aaron Gordon, Robinson, 
and Malik McMillan, all seniors, they're going to have four open scholarships coming out of this upcoming year. And as well as if Javon were to come back, I imagine he'd go through this process again, you know, and, and at that point now they're, they're looking, they're doing recruiting. It's been difficult, obviously, trying to recruit players. You can't bring them on campus right now. You can't go to their houses right now. There's a dead period that's been extended through May. And um, it's, uh, it's a lot of Zoom recruiting going on right now. It'll be fascinating to see what happens if there's no AAU season this summer. Like, how are the evaluations going to be made on a lot of these guys that come down to the Valley's level? And I I think we all know the top, you know, as these kids are declaring now for the G League and not for college. I I think we all know who the blue chippers are. But what about these kids that Valley schools are going to recruit that are 21s and 22s? it's fascinating to see how they're going to be evaluated if there is no AAU program this summer. So it's a moving, a moving target. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's bizarre. I mean, the way these coaches are having to go about it, you know, without any personal contact like that, like you're saying, it's very interesting. And then Chad, what about uh, Evansville? Are they done or do they still have openings? They have one open scholarship for next year. Now they had an open one for each of the past two seasons, too, that they've been able to use with uh, mid-season transfers. So that's what Samari Curtis was this past year, and the year before that, they got P.C. Ilyagoma from Pittsburgh. So maybe they get you know somebody who's transferring from a major conference at mid-season, they just keep this spot open. Otherwise, um, Evansville is going to be kind of in the same boat for you know recruiting next year, the 2021-22 season. They're going to have six openings. So you know, it's it, this is a critical summer kind of for Todd Licklider and his staff to really, you know, put in all the groundwork for what they want to do moving forward. And yeah, there's just so much uncertainty. I know that they got got out and saw a couple JUCO guys and some high school juniors. Um, you know, when Todd first came in, but you know, it's it's just yeah, going to be definitely fascinating um, how some of these evaluations take place. But as far as for this coming season, Evansville has an open scholarship, and we'll see if they use it or not. I think they might need another big man, but if they choose to keep it open, um, I'm sure they'll find a way to fill it at some point during the season. You mentioned Peace, and you mentioned big men, uh, 6'9 guy. What's his status? I don't really know. He basically didn't play uh, right. this year. He was eligible as soon as the fall semester ended, um, there was all this talk that he was going to be kind of this rim protector, and then he only played a couple minutes per game. If that, there was a lot of did not plays. So I don't know if he's a guy who might still enter the transfer portal. He's also, you know, he's from Nigeria. He's already made transfer transferred once um, from Pittsburgh. So maybe he just wants to get his degree and go back home and play professionally too. So uh, I don't think you, he's going to like kick him off the team or anything like that. But he's kind of the reason that I. I think they just need another post presence if they really want to, you know, contain the the types of guys like I know Liam Robbins is gone now, but just as an example, just one like that, that they're not all going to be undersized again. Be an interesting upcoming season, gentlemen. I appreciate your time. I want you to stay safe. Don't do not get the coronavirus. Do social distancing. Wash your hands. What else am I supposed to tell you? Wear a mask and all of that. But appreciate your time this afternoon breaking down both Evansville and Valparaiso for us here on the. Valley Hoops Insider uh, podcast. Paul, tell people where they can find your work and uh, the great reporting you do concerning Valpo. Well, I don't know about great reporting, but you can find me on Twitter at NWIOREN. That's N-W-I-O-R-E-N. And you can follow 
along my podcast, Union Street Hoops, all over the place where local podcasts are sold. And you can find my stories on NWI.com. And Chad, tell people where they can find your outstanding work. Yeah, my last name's a little complicated. So my, my Twitter handle is Chad Linskog. That's L-I-N-D-S-K-O-G. Um, I pretty consistently put out whatever is going on with, with Evansville stuff on there. And then couriempress.com is where you can read all of my stories. Appreciate your time today, guys. Thanks for joining us. Folks, thanks for listening today. You've been listening to the Valley Hoops Insider Podcast. Remember, since you've been there, make it a better place. Chad, Paul, thanks so much. Thank you, My Harry. pleasure.